Okay. Okay, wait, hold on one second. Um, something popped up. Okay, let's hurry up. I'm really sorry. I'm just a nude if Kelvin Harris showed up. Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> just wait, a nude of Kelvin Harris show up. <laughs> It wasn't even a full nude, though. It was just him in his underwear. <laughs> I'm not even going to elaborate on that. You know but... what? That was the most Hi guys, and welcome to A Side of Homicide. I'm Austin Olds. That sounded really sexual. <laughs> and I'm Tennille Turner. <laughs> We're keeping that, by the way. <laughs> so how was your week? Even though we just recorded like three days ago. Yeah, it was good so far within that like three days. Um, well, I spent the day cleaning my car after work. Um, because, Productive, that's okay. Well, not something I like to do, so. Yeah, he enjoys cleaning cars. Like, loves it. Well, like, he asks to mine. clean mine, yeah. though. So, and then tonight, actually, before we recorded, I went and got a new phone because, for whatever reason, upgrading actually saved me some money. So, why not? Why not? I would have done it, too. It is a pain, though, to transfer everything over. Well, and then, like, well, first of all, it was super busy, and it's literally a, a Monday. And it was at, like, 2 p.m. when I got there. Which horizon was, did you go to? Um, the one in the mall. That one's always really busy. I should have went to the one by us. I know, but I was like, damn. Yeah, because that one's never hardly busy. Yeah. So nice. it was, I always go there too. It's crazy. So I had to wait for a while and then I watched this this older gay couple. They were arguing and the one guy was on the phone like with whoever. I don't know if it was a sister or what, but he's like, How many gigabytes is my current phone? <laughs> <laughs> I was watching them. Clearly like, not knowing. Well, he was going. walking around with his speakerphone on. Oh. Like, dude. Was he older? Yeah. I was going to say older people like to do that. Yeah. Yeah. So. Us younger people could never. Well, and then for whatever reason, my SIM card didn't want to work. So no. then he had to activate it and then unactivate it and then activate it and unactivate it. And it sent Wendy a receipt every time because she's the <laughs> account owner. <laughs> so she asked me tonight. She goes, why do I have so many receipts? And I'm like. <laughs> I'm like, ignore them. <laughs> we were having issues. <laughs> So, well, only... I'm glad you got your phone all figured out and you're good to go. Yeah, yeah. so I'm good for taking some camping pictures now. Mm-hmm. So, oh yeah, because you you save your pictures on your phone. I forgot about that. Yeah, I have like literally like six thousand photos, and that was after I delete. <gasps> I went on a deleting spree and deleted two thousand. So. I'm proud of you. Yeah, I can't judge. I have mine in my Dropbox, and then I delete them from my phone. So yeah, so I can't judge. But anyways, how was your week? Uh, so far, it's been good. I went and visited a friend out of town yesterday. And um, on my way there, like a little tiny town, there's this cute little girl that had a lemonade stand, you know, being a little boss at age, you know, what, five or something. I would have just hit the accelerator and drove right <laughs> past her. <laughs> you were terrible. <laughs> well, I didn't say I was going to run her over. I was that's just going to drive past her and not look. I actually thought you were going to say run her over. So that's what I was like. <laughs> nope. So I stopped, but realized I legit only had a $10 bill. And I looked at her and I was like, do you have any change? And, <laughs> and she like, didn't know what I meant. 
And she's like, no. And she looked all worried. And I didn't want to make her like upset. So I was like, you can have my $10. <laughs> so I gave her the money and took my lemonade. And left. Oh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> was it worth $10? You know what? It was because I made her happy. Oh, it was cute. See, I like other people's like well-behaved children. I just don't want them. Fair enough. You know. And then oh, my birds are starting to nest on my patio. Which, thank God, because every night I've had to hear about how depressed you are that they haven't nested yet <laughs> and that you think they're nesting elsewhere. Yes, because I have seen other patios and they're nesting elsewhere. But I have been chosen and they're start. They're about a third way done right now. Still working on it. It's a hot day. They're breaking right now. They're taking a break. They've got some work done, though. They did. You need I'm to hire them. them to work on West Crack. <laughs> And then on my way home tonight, there was like five little ducks, little ducklings, and the mama duck, and they're trying to cross a busy road. And so I stopped traffic responsibly and saved them. I got them to cross the you road. You know, honestly, when that happens, I just stop and I honk until they move. I actually did have to honk a little more to get them to cross the road because they were just slowly waddling. They don't care. And then I honk, 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 and then they like, <laughs> they, like scattered. <laughs> Which like, I don't know if it's just Fargo, but we have geese everywhere. Mm -hmm. And it's not a bad thing. They're kind of entertaining, but they are they just, so entertaining. They're so unbothered by the they population really of Fargo. I actually saw them though. If you guys know Fargo, you know 45th. And I actually saw them using a crosswalk on a side road off of 45th one time. And I, I love that. I'm not joking. They were literally using the crosswalk. Aww. Sarah can vouch for that, too, because she saw it with me. That's but really cute. I wish I could have seen that with you, honestly. They're just so random. And then one time I went to one of my stores for work. And there, were, for whatever reason, they had, like, a camper park there for, like, I don't know how many days, like a week. And there was just geese on top of it, just chilling, <laughs> scoping out everything. It's their camper now. <laughs> I know. I was like, they've moved in. Oh, that's cute. Oh, I love that. Well, and I guess the last thing we have is we got to start packing. Yeah, we really do. Camping. You know, I'll wait until the last minute and just throw whatever in my bag. I do know that. And you likely <laughs> will forget things, but I'll probably have it. I'll so it's not fine. forget the wine, though. Yeah, that's probably the only thing you're going to remember. Yeah, as long as I got <laughs> wine and maybe a change of clothes and some underwear, then that's all fine. I need. So yeah, I guess that's all we have today. So I guess we can get on into... Tennille's True Crime News, hosted by Tennille, the Turner. <laughs> the Turner. <laughs> and commentary by Austin, the Olds. <laughs> okay, so this one we have actually talked about before. It's the arrest of Drake Bell. <laughs> So you and I used to watch this show, Drake and Josh. It's it was Absolutely. wonderful. Uh, it was a hit Nickelodeon TV show when we were younger. Um, so he is actually 34 years old now, and his actual name is Jared Drake Bell, and he is also known as Drake Campana. See, and I always forget Campana? that okay. his first name is Jared. And also Same. to comment on the Campana or whatever. Campana. It, I don't know how to say it. It's Spanish, it's, for those wondering. Yeah, just excuse our mispronunciation of that. We are the whitest of the white. <laughs> Truly, we're West Crack. But I will learn Spanish, okay? I promise you all, I will say a sentence Did you not have to take it in high school? See, we had either Spanish or German, and German was always open, but Spanish was always full. Oh, so I okay. had to fucking take German. Fair enough. 
Um, das Boot. I took. <laughs> <laughs> I had to take um, two years of Spanish, and I don't know anything from it. So. Oh wow, it's okay. I had to take two years of German too. Back on track to my Drake Campana. Campana, Campana. Campana, maybe Campana? it is Campana. I don't know. <laughs> so. I actually heard about this on TikTok, so take this with a grain of salt. But I heard that really he was just kind of dying off in the United States for like popularity. So he went <laughs> for whatever reason. Do you though, blame everybody? <laughs> yeah. For whatever reason, though, he was popular in um, Mexico. So he moved there and changed his name to that so he could be a singer there. So. Wow, Drake. Well, you know what I love, though? Josh is doing wonderful and he's so cute and he's married and he's doing great in life. And Drake's just meh. He's just He's Drake. just Drake. Yeah. So Drake is actually now facing charges in Chihuahua County in Ohio. And he is being charged with attempted endangering children, a fourth degree felony and disseminating matter um, harmful to juveniles, which is a first degree misdemeanor. And Bell allegedly engaged in inappropriate chat with a victim, which was in a sexual nature. Well, it sounds to me like the prison bell is ringing. Oh my gosh. Ding, ding. <laughs> ding, ding. <laughs> <laughs> also, we have to remember this freaking man is 34. Like, uh, ew. I mean, that's even a little too old for me. That ain't too old for me. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, I'm 27. But I'm so. like... I understand for you. I'm closer to being underage than I'm, you know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, I get that. So um, this alleged incident happened on December 1st, 2017, and the victim, who was 15 years old, filed a police report with her local police department in Canada in October of 2018. And it was regarding an incident involving Bell that occurred the previous year in Cleveland. And the victim had established a relationship with Bell several years prior, and she attended his Cleveland concert in December of 2017. Months leading up to the concert, Bell allegedly sent the victim inappropriate social media messages, and Bell appeared at a hearing on June 3rd of this year, and he entered a not guilty plea. He has also agreed to not have any contact with the victim, and then now a pretrial hearing is scheduled for June 23rd of 2021. So... I think he's a piece of shit, so I'm glad he got caught. Yeah, he's not too yeah. hot anymore. Okay, have you heard um, of Kenneth Manzanare or Manzanares? <laughs> I don't know how to say it. Do you know who that is? No, I do okay, not. Okay, so he was sentenced, but for those of you who do not know who Kenneth is, here is a little short summary of this case. So according to True Crime Daily, Kenneth, who is 43, is from Utah, and he went on a cruise ship called Emerald Princess, on July 25th, 2017, with his wife, Christy. They went on a cruise with their three children and then some ex other extended family just for, you know, a vacation together. Yeah, that sounds nice. It was until it wasn't, as you say. <laughs> I was just thinking that! <laughs> Bitch. Kenneth and Christy got into an argument about his behavior that night, and she stated that she wanted a divorce and that he should get off the boat in Janeu or Janeu? And fly back to Utah. She wanted to kick him off the cruise. Also, I'm not blaming her, but I do not think it was the wisest choice to have this fight on a cruise ship. Especially to say divorce. Okay, those cruise ship rooms are tiny as hell. <laughs> so like, you're stuck on a cruise ship yes. with this. 
Like, why do you want to bring up divorce during this time? <laughs> Not a great idea. I just keep yeah. drinking harder. And then you know what? When I got home, bye-bye. Literally. Or maybe she could have gone off in Janeo. Janeo. Yeah, what the hell? So, their children were in another room with relatives when they heard their mother scream. Their daughters then went to a balcony and could see Kenneth punching Christy in the head. Christy's two brothers and her father showed up to help, obviously, and then saw Kenneth dragging her body by the ankles. I'm sorry. Also, does he really think that punching her in the head is going to make her not want a divorce? Right? Like, what what you, what you get, plan there, Kenneth? Get over yourself. Mm-hmm. Medical personnel and security officers arrived and attempted to revive Christy, but were unsuccessful. So Christy did die, and she died from blunt force trauma to the head. And he did plead guilty to second-degree murder, and he has now been sentenced to up to 30 years in federal prison. Good. When he is released, he will have five years of supervised release from his prison term. Good. Yeah. So it's kind of good that he got sentenced finally, because, you know, with the court stuff, it always takes a while. Um, Aiden Fucci. I don't know if I'm Let me see fucking it. saying that right. Fucci? I don't know. So his mother, Crystal Smith, has been arrested. Also, Crystal Smith sounds like a fake name. <laughs> yeah, it really does. So for those of you who do not know who Aiden is, here's a short summary of his case. According to News for Jax, Aiden, who is 14, has been accused of brutally stabbing more than 100 times and then killing his 13-year-old classmate, Tristan Bailey. Damn! And he is now in the juvenile wing of Duval County Jail in Florida on a first-degree murder charge, and he will be tried as an adult, which is good. He could face up to life in prison, but due to his age, he is not eligible for the death penalty. Um, Now, according to People Magazine, Aiden's mother, Crystal, who is 35, has been arrested and is accused of tampering with evidence in this case. So she is currently being held on a $25,000 bond, and she has been accused of going into her son's bedroom after he was taken into custody for the crime. And she retrieved a pair of blue jeans and washed them in the bathroom and then put them in her bedroom. So tried to hide evidence. If he can do this at age 14, can you imagine what that could have turned into? Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's scary. Scary stuff. So um, shout out to Anna B because she sent me this story. Um, You might know about this because this was in our group chat. (laughs) A mother attempted to shoot a dog and then accidentally shoots her son. Do you remember that? No. (laughs) Maybe you were napping. (laughs) Yeah, not a lot of my brain cells connect in the group chat, it's so, okay. as you know. It's okay. <laughs> According to ABC7 in Houston, a mother named Angela Mia Vargas, who is 24, has been charged with deadly conduct with a firearm after accidentally shooting her five-year-old son while trying to shoot a dog that was running across the street. They were riding their bo- their box. Their box? <laughs> Are you Max? Are they Max? Riding his little powery box throughout the... <laughs> Max has a stupid Powerade box that he loves to sit in. Well, and I don't get it because we bought some and he just took the box and he loved it so much that I had to take another empty Powerade box from work. I didn't know that. So he could have, yeah, the one that you see now is new. Well, that's because his um, robust body likes to spill out of it. Yeah, like, all the edges were like starting to flatten out. So I was like, buddy, I'll have to get you a new yeah. one. Okay, so they were riding their bikes when the dog ran out. Okay. 
disappointing. So the crazy thing is, though, this dog was only six months old. So it was a six-month-old boxer, and the boy was struck in the abdomen by one of the three bullets that Vargas allegedly fired from a small caliber pistol. Excuse me? So the dog's name was Bruno. He was grazed on one leg, and the dog's owner was actually given a Class C misdemeanor citation for having a loose dog, which I understand. I I can see that. That's normal. But, I mean, he's six months old. Do you really think a little puppy is He was gonna... probably running out to be like, hi, guys. Yeah. Like, he's just a puppy. So I guess that's all I have for you for current true crime news. So have you heard of the Terry Peter Rasmussen, also known as the Chameleon Killer case? I have not heard of the Terry Peter Rasmussen, also known as the Chameleon case. Thank you for repeating that. You repeated it very well, too. It was Thank you. <laughs> he spells Peter weird. It's P-E-D-E-R. Petter. 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 <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. We can make fun of him because he's a serial killer. It's probably what Peanut thinks we are. Petters. <laughs> yes. So according to ABC News, Terry was known as the chameleon killer for assuming so many different identities as he infiltrated families and destroyed lives in New Hampshire and California. So he used many different names. So this could, this case might get a little confusing. So if you are confused at all, just stop me and ask okay. who it is. Here are a few of the different names he used. Curtis Kimball, Gordon Jensen, Larry Vanner, Bob Evans or Robert Evans, Lawrence William Vanner, and Jerry Mockerman. According to Wikipedia, Terry was born on December 23rd, 1943 in Denver, Colorado. He grew up in Arizona and attended North High School in Phoenix, but ended up dropping out his sophomore year in 1960. Now, I don't know if he ever got like his GED or anything. I don't believe he ever went back to complete high school. Um, So he actually ended up enlisting in the United States Navy in 1961. But I always thought that you had to have a high school graduate like degree. Yeah, but I've heard of people like dropping out to join the army or join oh, like okay. the navy. Maybe they don't require a diploma or anything. Yeah, I'm not quite sure no. what they require and what they don't. So he did end up being discharged in 1967. Well, hello, Len. Len has joined us at the table now because he really wanted to be cuddled by Austin. If you hear snorting, it's just Leonard. Or it could be Austin because he's got really bad allergies. Yeah, right for now. whatever <laughs> reason, my allergies have just joined the podcast. So. Yeah. It's going to be a lot of sniffles edited out. That's okay. Well, Leonard just snorts a lot. Oh, there was one. (laughs) (laughs) So he was discharged in 1967. And for the next year, Terry actually ended up moving to Hawaii to work for his parents at their shoe shop. I wish I could move to Hawaii. Same. Austin and I are taking a trip next year to Hawaii. If anybody has any suggestions on what to do or where to stay, let us know. Yes, please yes. do. <laughs> Austin's like massaging Leonard's face right now and he's loving it. I know. It's keeping him <laughs> quiet. So he might snort though still, but it's better than his whining. Yes, that's true. Terry did end up getting married on July 20th in 1968 in Hawaii. And then him and his wife actually ended up moving to Phoenix, Arizona the next year, which why? <laughs> oh, it's a big one, Len. <laughs> Are you okay, buddy? Oh, he's funny. Like, I would have stayed in Hawaii. Yeah. You know? 
Well, I mean, Phoenix is equally as hot, but that's desert. Yeah. I'd rather be on a beach and enjoying the, you know, nice breeze and the ocean. Yeah. And the nature and yeah. But they did move. They did move. They actually had two twin daughters and they were born in 1969. And then at the time he worked as an electrician and he did actually work as an electrician multiple times during okay. his life. And in 1970, they ended up moving to Redwood City, California. Have you ever been to California? I have not. No? Oh, it's nice. We should take another trip there too. Yeah, because I only went to San Diego, LA, and uh, Catalina Island. And okay. that was it. But it was really fun. I did like it there. Yeah. So at the time, he did continue his work as an electrician. And then they ended up having another child, a son this time. And then in 1972, they had another daughter. So four kids in total. Jesus. Yes. <laughs> In 1973, they moved back to Phoenix from California this time. So they moved a lot. I was going to say, damn. In April of 1973, Terry was arrested for aggravated assault and then arrested a second time in June of 1975 for the same thing. Which is weird because, like, why now, you know? I don't know details of the aggravated assault. I'm assuming with his family. Yeah. Shortly after, his wife actually ended up taking the kids and left him. So good on her. Never be afraid to leave, girls. Right? And the divorce was finalized on September 28th, 1978. So throughout the years, Terry was arrested for many other things under different names. So he had been in trouble with the law for issuing a bad check, theft, no car insurance or driver's license, and a stolen vehicle. So that was kind of the more minor things oh okay let's say so stolen vehicles minor okay yep in this case it's very minor okay okay <laughs> rather have him steal 20 cars than do what he did oh, okay so now we are actually going to talk about marilis elizabeth honeychurch marilis marlis marlis i'm gonna google it really quick marilisi <laughs> <laughs> no marilisi <laughs> Can we play that into the podcast? Can <laughs> so, <laughs> you all okay start here? No. <laughs> so, Tanil <laughs> just looked up how to say this victim's name, which R.I.P. this victim. But <laughs> this is what YouTube says. Marlizzi. <laughs> Why is it like that? Let's try to do one. My Oh, stop that. <laughs> oh, God. Oh, Jesus Christ. My I am going with Marlies. Okay, so now we are going to talk about Marlies Elizabeth Honeychurch. Marlies. <laughs> R.I.P. Marlies. <laughs> okay. She was born in Connecticut in 1954, and she was the second oldest of five children. Her parents separated in 1961, and the three youngest children lived with their mother in California, and Marlies and her oldest sister stayed with their father in Connecticut. So the family just kind of split. Okay. And Marlies was married two times and had a child with each husband, and they were both girls. So her first marriage was on June 12th, 1971 in Las Vegas, Nevada. 
And her first daughter was born on December 6th, 1971. And her name was Marie Elizabeth Vaughn. And in February of 1974, Marlise and her husband actually ended up getting divorced. And she was awarded custody of Marie. In September of 1974, Marlise marries her second husband. And then she had her second daughter, Sarah Lynn McWaters. And she was born on December 13th, 1977. And she then separated from her second husband in 1978. It sounds like she's had really bad luck with love. It gets worse. Oh. It does. In November of 1978, shortly after Terry's divorce, so we're going to go back to Terry, um, he ended up meeting Marlise, and they started dating. Okay. So now their two stories are starting to connect. And um, surprisingly, he actually used his real name, so it was Terry... She brought him to her mother's house in La Puente, California for Thanksgiving and introduced him to her family. So Marlise actually ended up getting into an argument with her mother and ended up leaving. I don't know what the argument was about, though. I didn't see any detail on it. Okay. That was the last time that her family ever saw her or her two daughters. Hmm. Marlise was known for her bubbly, quirky personality. She had a good sense of humor and she was a great mom. In 1985, Jesse Morgan, a local who actually grew up in a small trailer park near Bear Brook State Park, was 11 years old. He and his friends were playing hide-and-seek, and then they saw a barrel that was off of the trail. So the barrel was described as being slightly rusted. It was dark blue, and it was a 55-gallon steel drum. Okay. So, well, if you're out memories? in the woods... No, does this bring memories of something? Megan is missing. Yes. So Austin made us watch this movie, Megan is Missing. Which and... I saw on TikTok. And TikTok, this is why I say take anything from TikTok with a grain of salt. Because this movie was made out to be real. Like 100% true. Mm -hmm. It was not. But it was a lot scarier when I thought it was. It still freaked me out. Poorly made movie, but yeah. it still freaked me out. Um, and both of the girls were put in a barrel. Mm -hmm. So this is it really reminded me of that movie. If you're ever out on a trail... And you see a slightly rusted, dark blue, 55-gallon steel drum barrel. Do not approach it. One of his friends went over to attempt to lift the top off of the barrel. And when he did that, the group was actually hit with a very foul smell. Ugh. And it was decomp. But as kids, they didn't know it. Right. They just thought it smelled bad. And they pushed the barrel over onto its side and left it. They did not realize it was remains. Yeah, because it was past... Oh. Then it was it was out there for a while. Yeah. And so four months later, in November of 1985, a hunter actually came across it in the woods and he contacted authorities because he knew what it was. Four months later? Mm-hmm. And um, their bodies were wrapped in a plastic wrap, too. So maybe that has something to do with it, why mm. they couldn't tell. But, yeah. I mean, that hunter saw it, so... So it ended up being the remains of Marlise and her daughter, Marie. Mm. And they had both died of blunt force trauma to their heads. At the time, though, the police did not know whose remains this were. Right. And it wasn't known until June 6th, 2019. Really? Mm -hmm. Then they were finally identified. <sighs> and since they were unidentified at the time, they actually were buried together at a local Allenstown cemetery with a donated gravestone that read, 
Here lies the mortal remains known only to God of a woman aged 23 to 33 and a girl child aged 8 to 10. Their slain bodies were found on November 10th, 1985 in Bear Brook State Park. May their souls find peace in God's loving care. Mm. Yeah. So damn. But yeah, so it was nice that they did donate that yeah, for them. That though. is really sweet, but my heart. I know. And so actually on June 8th, 2000, Marlise and Marie's remains were exhumed from the grave by authorities for DNA testing. Because okay. obviously it had evolved a lot by the time they were originally found. Absolutely. And at this time, obviously they remained unidentified still. And then 15 years after the first barrel was found, so in May of 2000, a second barrel was found. And it was in the same state park, about 100 yards away from where the first one was found. And this actually ended up being Marlise's other daughter, Sarah. No. Mm -hmm. And there was also another set of remains of a girl aged between two to four. But they didn't know who it was. So she was just unknown since 2000. Until 2016, and they finally figured out who it was. So the child was actually identified as Terry's biological daughter. So he killed his own daughter. Oh, my God. Yeah. The sad thing is, though, police don't know who the mother is of the child, and they believe that it could actually be another one of Terry's victims, and they just don't know who she is. According to KIRO7, they don't have her name at all. Like, it wasn't written on anything or near the barrel or anything. They do know that she had slightly wavy brown hair. She was three feet, three inches tall to three feet, nine inches tall. She had a slight overbite and she might've had anemia and DNA testing revealed that she is primarily Caucasian with a small amount of Asian, black and American Indian ancestry. So she's still unknown to this day. They just know that it was his daughter. They don't have any. Can you imagine remaining as a Jane Doe? I mean, mm -hmm. that's as shitty as it is. I don't know if I can go through the the Doe Network just because it makes me so sad. It is. It's very sad to see <sighs> it. But at least there's a network out there for those people. Right. You know, as sad as being unidentified is, at least people are still having a voice for those that are unidentified. Yeah, that's true. It's just like it, it just it's breaks just my sad. heart that somebody can pass away and nobody knows. Mm -hmm. So police actually believe that Marilise died when she was 26 or 27. Marie died when she was 8 to 10, and Sarah died when she was 2 or 3. They couldn't be exact. A woman named Rebecca Heath, who was a research librarian, had come across this case and helped identify the woman, the woman and the two children through her own research, which is really, really? cool. Really? On an online message board, she connected with a woman who was looking for her missing family members. It was a woman and her two children, whose ages and locations matched this case. And so she ended up helping out with that. And then investigative genetic genealogist Barbara Ray Venter uncovered the three victims' identities through a new technique that involves extracting DNA from the shaft of a strand of hair. Oh, my. So she helped out, too. So a lot of hands on deck on this one. Yeah, absolutely. But I bet that feels awesome to be able to solve this case after all those years. That you is able like to, like, find out who my dream. Right. So in 1978 and 1979, Terry worked as an electrician and a handyman in Manchester, New Hampshire in an RV park. So at this time, he was actually working under the name of Robert or Bob Evans, and he lived with his girlfriend at the time, Denise Bowden or Bowden? Bowden? Uh, Bowden. Okay. Bowden. Sorry. 
uh, 24, and her five-month-old daughter, Dawn. They went to dinner at Denise's family's house on, number, on November 26, 1981, for Thanksgiving. After that night, her family and friends never saw her again. She is actually still listed as a missing person to this day. Really? But authorities do believe that he may have killed Denise. Then, fast-forwarding to January 1986, Terry has now changed his name from Bob Evans to Gordon Jensen. He is now living in California, Santa Cruz. Uh, he was living with a four-year-old girl who he stated was his daughter named Lisa. So in June of 1986, he ended up leaving Lisa with a couple who wanted to adopt her, which is shocking because he killed all of his other victims. So what made this little girl so special? Right. He then left California, which caused issues on that adoption. So Lisa actually was put into foster care. And he was charged with child abandonment for this because at the time they thought this was his child, like right. biologically his child. Absolutely. Because he kept telling people that. Mm -hmm. And it was the 80s. So <laughs> after Terry left California, he ended up being arrested for drunk driving. The name he gave this time was Curtis Campbell. They ended up realizing it was actually Gordon Jensen. But at this time, the authorities did not realize that both of these names were actually fake and he was Terry. <laughs> So since he was, you know, supposedly Gordon Jensen, he ended up being arrested for the child abandonment charges and he served three years in prison and then he was paroled in 1990. Now we will be talking about a woman named Ansoon June, who was a chemist from California. She was actually in her mid 40s when she introduced her family to her new boyfriend, Larry Vanner, who was actually Terry. Unsoon and Terry ended up getting married in a backyard ceremony. So one of Unsoon's friends, Renee Rose, met Larry, a.k.a. Terry, mm -hmm. um, and stated that he didn't even look healthy. His face was gray. He constantly smoked and he would just gobble up everything on the table and belch and then eat more. And then he'd go sit on the couch. I mean, he kind of sounds like he eats like us, but... <laughs> So not abnormal there, but... But my burps are so tiny. Yours are not. No, they're massive. <laughs> That's okay, though. Maybe. Soon ended up disappearing from Richmond, California in June of 2002. And this ended up being two years after she introduced uh, Terry to her family. So Larry, a.k.a. Terry, this is where it kind of gets a little confusing. Yeah. I'm sorry for the names would constantly create excuses and why Unsoon wasn't available. So Renee, the one who described Larry to us, um, ended up going to Contra Costa County Sheriff and reported her missing. Good on her. Right? What a good friend. Well, and also I'm kind of starting to sense a theme here. Detective Roxanne Grunheide, um, who was a homicide detective at the sheriff's office, went to Unsoon's boyfriend's home along with another detective. They took his fingerprints and realized that they actually came back at a, as Curtis Kimball from his arrest when he was drinking and driving. Okay. But then they realized that it also came back from Gordon Jensen when he was arrested on child abandonment charges. So they're realizing that he's using fake names. Yeah. Seems a little fishy. Yeah. It's a little sus. So due to his parole violation, they ended up arresting him on those charges at the time just to get him out of the way. Absolutely. The detectives then came across a large pile of cat litter in a crawl space. So there was no odor, and there was an axe leaned up against that area. Buried in the cat litter, police found a human foot 
What? Mm -hmm. Completely mummified wearing a flip flop. Also, I want to know what brand cat litter he's using. <laughs> I have no idea. Asking for a friend, but no. like. Also, there's a shitload of cat litter. I know. Like a lot of cat litter to cover a body. The body was later identified as Unsun Jun, and she had died from blunt force trauma to the head. So that's another one of his victims. So it was later reported that a man matching Terry's description had bought 10 bags of cat litter at a nearby store. In November of 2002, he was arrested for Unsun's murder, and in 2003, he was sentenced to prison for 15 years to life after he pled guilty to the crime. Good. Terry Rasmussen ended up dying at the High Desert Prison in Susanville, California on December 28th, 2010 of natural causes. I feel so bad for him. Right? We won't know what exactly led to the murders of Marilise, her children, and Terry's biological child as Terry died before police could connect him to the murders. And we also still don't know what happened to Denise. So it's... Just a lot of unanswered questions since he died. Yeah. Well, I was going to say maybe it could be because he doesn't want them to leave. But at the same time, he puts them, well, the first few victims, he put them in barrels. So. Well, why would he put his own child in a barrel? What happened there? She was too young to leave. Right, you right. Know? Exactly. So just that wouldn't make odd. sense. It's mm -hmm. just truly yeah. a bizarre case. I mean, first he chose the barrels and then he chose cat litter. Like, yeah. it was weird. I mean, they all died from the same way. Blunt force trauma to the head. Right. When normally they dispose of the body the same way. Mm -hmm. It's just very odd. Kind of reminds me of that case that you had where like they tied an engine to a body. Then they like <laughs> tied a <laughs> transmitter or whatever. I don't know what the fuck. A transmission? <laughs> yeah. Oh. Can you tell I know everything about cars? <laughs> Cannot stand you. I'm the gay one here. I know. That's actually the straight side of you, to be honest. Yeah, that's true. So, yeah, that's kind of that case. It's crazy, right? I've never heard of it. Yeah, see, I hadn't either. And that's why when you said it, I'm like, I've literally never heard of this in my life. Yeah, I don't know if it's Rasmussen or Rasmussen. I don't know. I tried my best, guys. I'm not very good with pronunciations. So, I guess we can get into our dog and cat fact. Um, mine is, uh, did you know that if you never spayed or neutered a female dog her mate and their puppies could produce over sixty-six thousand dogs in six years really isn't that crazy oh my that's way too many dogs adopt don't shop absolutely so my cat fact today is the oldest cat that ever lived enjoyed broccoli and red wine <gasps> why is that your like soulmate i know <laughs> according to best life the domestic cat cream puff Cream puff! <laughs> I love that. Has held the record for oldest cat ever recorded since she passed away in 2005 at the age of 38 years old in three days. Wow. Jake Perry explained the secret to her longevity as was a diet of dry cat food supplemented by broccoli, eggs, turkey, bacon, and coffee, plus an eyedrop of red wine. How cute is that? <laughs> that kitty was spoiled. Oh, that's so sweet. I Don't recommend giving your cats alcohol, but... I mean, she lived to be 38, so that's longer than both of us. She's almost old enough to have a midlife crisis. Literally. So, guys, don't have a midlife crisis. Don't kill anybody. <laughs> so, 
That's all we got going for you today. So if you want to follow us on Facebook at A Side of Homicide. On Instagram at Side of Homicide. Or email us at Side of Homicide at Hotmail.com. And if you'd be so kind to leave us an iTunes review, we would love you forever and shout you out on our podcast. Thank you so much and bye. bye.